Hawaii's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. So are you pleased that you got it done in the second quarter? Uh, honestly, I didn't even know at what point it occurred. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, Caitlin keeps selling us the same bill of goods that she doesn't know when it's coming. I, I do believe her, in, in fact. But uh, she does indeed break the Big Ten's all-time scoring record last night against Northwestern. Best player in Big Ten history. I think we knew it before now, but this solidifies it. Now the conference's all-time leader in both points and assists. Surely the greatest player in conference history. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks with Owen Sebring, Curtis Fader, and Mike Howell here to talk a little bit of basketball, maybe slip in some wrestling into this show. Um, a historic night last night. Um, surely, I mean, with Caitlin chasing Kelsey Plum for the NCAA's all-time scoring record, I think maybe we've forgotten or overlooked a little bit the Big Ten scoring record, but passing Kelsey Mitchell is certainly a significant benchmark on this historic Caitlin Clark journey. And also, Kelsey Mitchell, I don't know if many people know this, also currently on the Indiana Fever. So if she chooses to declare, she will pass her future teammate. So imagine a trio of her, Mitchell, and the 2022 Naismith Trophy winner, Leah Boston. And you're looking right now at the current women's Division I NCAA all-time scoring leaders. Kelsey Plum there at the top of the charts right now, 103 points in front of Caitlin Clark. Kelsey Mitchell right behind, and numbers four and five, Jackie Stiles and Brittany Griner. Uh, if we're, we've been doing the math properly, so Caitlin is 104 points away from breaking the record. Uh -huh. um, a lot of projections out there. They play Maryland Saturday, Penn State next Thursday, and then Nebraska the following Sunday. Seems yep. like that's kind of where we're... If she scores 35, then it'll happen late in the Nebraska game. Uh -huh. If she doesn't, if she struggles a little bit against Maryland, which the Hawkeyes have been prone to do, as we've been pointing out on this show then it will be the following game at home against Michigan on the 15th. I'm sure That's what the broadcast said. I just pulled up this uh, image real quick. Because okay. Caitlin's scoring, uh, averaging 32 points a game this season, which is kind of bonkers. Uh -huh. And if she averages that, it'll be at Michigan. But, you know, she's always... You never want to counter out for a 40-point game, 45-point game here or there. So. She's gone 35-plus the last few games. I mean, I know mm -hmm. last night obviously did. She was... Went for 38 against Nebraska. I mean, overhit on yeah. 36 and a half. <laughs> overhit. I, yeah, I, I really didn't want to make that drive back out to Lincoln again. And I'm sure Hawkeye fans were hoping to see that record fall on uh, at Carver Hawkeye Arena, but it's looking a lot more like we might see that one happen over at uh, the I, Devaney Center. In I wonder if Clark against Nebraska is like, how about a 25 point triple double tonight? Maybe I'll just <laughs> I'll lean back on the points and I'll just like dish it up. Dish bunch. it out. See if we can get Hannah career high or something. Yeah, but um, I, I think last night after the game, both Lisa and Caitlin spoke about where she stands on the scoring chart now, as she now is 104 points away from the breaking the record, and what that means to her, what that means to the university, and and as she continues on this journey, as she possibly will overtake history in the next three to four games, possibly. Uh, Caitlin, of course, becomes the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer with this many games to go and overtaking somebody. The caliber of Kelsey Mitchell is outstanding. So really proud of her, but also her 10 assists tonight that she had. Uh, great job. I think the coolest thing is, is just, you know, the names that I get to be around. Those are people that I grew up watching, especially Kelsey Plum, um, Brittany Griner. 
um, Kelsey Mitchell. Those are really, really great players. People that are still playing our game at the very highest level and people that you watch night in and night out. So um, just special for me to be in the same you know, area as them. And obviously I've played with a lot of really good teammates that have allowed me to do my thing. And Coach Bluter obviously um, is kind of what she pitched to me when I got recruited four years ago is, you know, we play a fast up-tempo off offense and, you know, you're going to kind of have the ball in your hands. And, you know, she's kind of just let me thrive and be me. And um, there's, you know, not a lot of coaches out there that would probably allow that every single night. So, you know, I'm just very thankful. It's really interesting to think about as Curtis mentions that Kelsey Mitchell is on the Indiana Fever as well. If Caitlin decides to go pro after this year, she'd be on the same roster with Kelsey Mitchell and Aaliyah Boston. That's a lot of Naismith winners on, on a single <laughs> roster. I mean, some of the college women's games, all-time greats on a single roster. That's Side incredible. note, Aaliyah Boston does the Peacock uh, analysis in studio for like halftime pregame. Is that right? And for the last three Hawkeye games that I've watched on Peacock, and she's great. It's crazy right. how... She was a college athlete last year, and she's already, you know, switching to the WNBA slash already in the booth mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, good. And that's a great, like, that's a good point. I'm side glad. hustle in the offseason. Honestly, like, so many WNBA players have to go over to England, to Turkey, to Russia, to China, or Japan to make a living in the offseason when it's not WNBA season, but for somebody like Aaliyah to be able to stay in the, in the States and make some money as just an analyst for, for uh uh, college college shows. I wonder if she did in that college too, because if if you've watched and if any fans out there watched, like it's pretty seamless. You know, you can tell she's new at it, but you wouldn't think that she's an amateur. She was very personable to us in Dallas when yeah. we were interviewing her at the Naismith Trophy ceremony yeah. as well. Always super well spoken. Um, I had a chance to speak with her after Caitlin won the Naismith, and she was very congenial, very well spoken, very like humble about it. And we spoke to her again during um, the build up to the game in the arena. And yeah, she's. Yeah, great young woman. I love I love Aaliyah Boston. Um, but as has been the theme with the Hawkeye women's team this year, another sellout in Chicago last night. I think, uh, Mike, you've got a Scott Docterman tweet that he was posting about the, the attendance numbers. Yeah, give me a second. What's the name of that arena in Chicago? Welsh, well, it's the – it has a – I know Welsh Ryan Arena. I think it's Welsh Ryan Arena. Welsh Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here it is. Just um, – he put together, I think, this just little um, – uh, Excel spreadsheet about the attendance that Iowa's gotten. And if you look at it, you know, the first four you can throw out because it's the Gulf Coast Classic and, and one was for a neutral site in Charlotte. But it was the lar largest crowd in, for a women's basketball game in North Carolina history. Yeah. But all of these, um, well above their average, and a lot of them have been sellouts. I think they've sold out 30 of the 32 games that they've had on the on the schedule. So I don't see it yet, by the way. Sorry, I don't know if you thought you had it up. Oh, yep. There it was go. on the preview if screen. If you're watching on our YouTube page, you can see some of these numbers and some of the video and sound bites as we're playing them out throughout the show here. But, um, yeah, we've got Stock, Scott Docterman's uh, tweet up here with his Excel spreadsheet. First off, I should mention that largest crowd for a women's basketball game in North Carolina history is a significant number because uh, they are maybe not as much this year powerhouses, but both Duke and North Carolina have had some incredible women's teams over the years. That's mm – -hmm. am I – or wait, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking, I, I thought that Don Staley had a Carolina connection. I can't remember. She coached at Duke or something. I believe she played at Virginia, but then went there. But anyway, that's all to say that um, that's a state that loves college women's basketball. So for them to have the largest women's basketball crowd in history is saying a lot for that. Not just looking at the sellouts, too. I mean, look at the average for Wisconsin, mm -hmm. Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio State, Northwestern. One thousand. They average uh, you know less than 1,200 people, and they're getting... You know, well, Northwestern is only, they only seat 7,000. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's the arena capacity. But um, Ohio State, 18,000, 14,000. There's a lot of that's, people. And that's what, yeah, that's maybe the most significant thing to look at, especially for that average last night. Northwestern averages, what's that, 1,600 people? Yeah, 1,600. 7,000 last night, nearly seven times their average. Um, I mean, Ohio State even, it's like, not only do they sell out, but it's three times as many people that usually come. 12,000 more people than they average at Ohio State game. And that, that can be true of... Rutgers is almost the same way. Wisconsin's almost the same. Ten thousand above their average, more than three. Nebraska is pretty jarring too. Yeah, Nebraska is incredible. Yeah, Pinnacle Pinnacle Bank Arena. That's a big building. So that sell out of fifteen thousand five hundred. What's what's Carver's capacity? It's somewhere around fifteen thousand. Is it? Yeah. I mean, Pinnacle's a big arena too. So for them to be able to sell that one out too. Man, Carver's uh, 15000 for now. Who knows? Maybe there's some more uh, renovations <laughs> being made. I would hope if they renovate, they'd make it smaller, but that's just me. Yeah, it, it would be a fun renovation if Caitlin was still around and they could see. Yeah. How, all right, how many people can we actually fit <laughs> into Carver Hawkins? Okay, very how un- many in the lower bowl can we fill after she's gone? Yeah. This is very unique to, to Caitlin, I believe. I mean, with this women's basketball team, they've been doing an Elite Eight before her uh, in recent history. I mean, yep. um, in the last 10 years or so. And they still did not fill out like they are now. True. And the men used to f- bring a lot of fans to the stadium, and now this last you know five years has been kind of a struggle. And I'm I'm curious to ask you about that, Mike. If you have insight why that was when Megan Gustafson was tearing it up for the Hawkeyes, why they weren't selling out those games? I, I just think Caitlin Clark. The it it reminds me a little bit. And I'm not comparing her to, as a player to like Steph Curry, where he she can just shoot from wherever. And that one, the one clip we had of the soundbite, I should play it again. There's one where she takes it to the hoop off her left hand, which she's right-handed. She blocks someone yep. and then gets the ball, runs down and shoots a three. And then she throws that amazing assist to uh, Hannah Stokey yeah. when the shot clock's going down. Like just the facets of her game, like Megan was great, but when you went there, it's just dumping down low. <laughs> and I think a lot of people don't like that kind of basketball. And I think more people like running gun and, and shooting crazy just because um, if you're not six feet f- five, if you're a woman or whatever, or you know six ten as a man, you can't just dump the ball down low and 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 back up against someone who's tall. But anyone can shoot the ball. That the assist to Hannah last night is maybe one of her most impressive assists that I've seen Caitlin have so far. And the angle, Blake Hornstein from our partner station WHBF did a great job going out there last night, and he was shooting highlights. But even the um, the, the Hawkeye women's account tweeted the video of that when it happened. And it's like Caitlin gets double teamed out by the scorer's table and just kind of one-handed zips it down low to Hannah right in a perfect spot for her to mm-hmm. put it up and in and get fouled in the process. I mean, that is supreme court vision like few other players have. I, I don't know if you guys would balk at this comparison, but I, I mean, it's you know mildly problematic for us to keep comparing her to men's players when um, she just brings a totally different game than a lot of these people. Steph Curry has been the comparison for a lot of these years, but somebody they thought of the other day when he dropped 73 points was Luka Doncic. Um, She's not maybe as big as he was, but Mm -hmm. some of the ways that she approaches her game is a little bit like Luka to me when I was watching those highlights. If I were to make a women's comparison, I would say she has the passing ability of Sue Bird and the scoring ability of Diana Taurasi. Mm -hmm and having both of those assets in one, plus the additional range that nobody has really seen before. Maybe Sabrina Unescu gave us a mini preview, but none to what Caitlin Clark has consistently done. She is a unicorn in her own right, and that's why the only comparisons we can make 
are men who we've previously watched <laughs> that have done things that we have never seen before in the past. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's the only reason why we can compare like this. I think globally. Also, when we're comparing it to men, you know, I, the women's game is growing now, but when you're talking about past players, it is easier to just go, you know, to the to the new fans that are watching, just to like a, a, a men NBA player or, or like that. What people yeah. know, yeah. And it's weird because I almost feel like Steph Curry is very limiting to her because I see different aspects of past legends in her when she's on the court and off the court. And it's just very interesting to see because, you know, in a way, it's almost like Jordan when she, just her aura on the court, I'll never forget the first time I saw her. I think it was against Maryland at home last year when she had a layup. They gave up an offensive rebound and then she goes, ah! And she just claps. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> and like she gets the ball, dribbles it, and then drops a 30-footer on this poor Terp's head. <laughs> and I was just yeah. in awe. And then she also plays with her heart on her sleeve, kind of like yep. Kobe did. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, off the court, she's a lot like LeBron, where she is, you know, vocal on some things, but she's always very kind. And sometimes people don't like that. People don't like people who are too nice. Sometimes they think it's like inauthentic. And she also gets the LeBron treatment in terms of, you know, if somebody is so liked, then there's something wrong. And now there's a lot of people trying to ruthlessly tear her down for no reason. Mm. So I just see all of that in her. And she's going to have her own aura herself. And so many people are already inspired. Yeah. In terms of the sellouts, I mean, again, it's been basically every game going back to the start of December has been a sellout. And, and I think Caitlin last night spoke about um, what it's been like to play basically in front of a sold out arena every time that she's taking the floor. Like two years ago, you come in here, six, maybe 1,500 people in the stands. Mm -hmm. Now it's a sellout. I know you've had, had these a few times in a row. Mm -hmm. what, what do they kind of mean to you to see who's coming out to see you and to see Iowa every time you guys hit the road? Yeah, I think it's this was one that was definitely circled on my calendar just because I know the amount of Iowa fans in the Chicago area. So um, I was super excited to come here. I love this gym. And Coach Joe, I have so much respect for him. I think he's amazing. He's amazing for women's basketball. And uh, we've had a lot of really good battles in this arena. I believe last time I was here, we went to overtime, and um, it was it was a great one. I think Veronica Burton was still on the team at the time, but um, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see just how you know the crowds have changed as my career's unfolded. Obviously, I start in COVID, where it's just family, and now every single game I play in, it's all sold out. So um, it's not something you ever take for granted, and um, it's kind of I don't know. I mean. I think it's kind of crazy people are screaming my name so much. Um, it's not something you really ever get used to. You know, anytime we step on the floor, whether it's at home or whether it's on the road, people spend a lot of time and money to get up to a place to watch us play. So, you know, I always want to take time and, you know, sign a couple autographs after and try to play the best I can and, you know, smile, have fun because, you know, not many people, one, get the chance to come see us play and two, a lot of people are spending a lot of time, money and resources to have these opportunities that um, hopefully will give them memories for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I love her mentioning that too, just how much people are investing because those ticket prices for women's games, I mean, last night, I think Doc, Dr. Min or somebody tweeted about that as well, that it was like just getting in the door was going to be 200 bucks for somebody, um, you know, yeah. buying that off the street. So um, there's a lot invested into it. Somebody else that did have a great game last night for the Hawkeyes was Hannah Stolke. Um, she's been just all over the map kind of with her performances recently, but had a great one last night against, uh, against Northwestern. Let me pull up her numbers here. Yeah, they had a double-double, yeah. Yeah, 17 points, nine rebounds, two assists. Um, kind of what they need out of Hannah going forward because going back her last few games, she didn't play at uh, against Wisconsin, which, whatever, didn't really need her. She's still recovering from an injury. Ohio State, you know, obviously 
a lot of people talking about the free throws in that game, but um, still scored 14 points, had, or excuse me, 10 points in that game, um, had seven rebounds, um, fouled out of that game. Against Nebraska, only seven points and four rebounds in that one, just kind of all over the map, but last night is kind of the performance that they need out of Hannah every night. Yeah, especially if you're looking at a lot of the other contenders that have pretty good big men, big women, I should say, uh, like South Carolina, like an LSU. I'm not sure what position Cameron Brink plays for mm. Stanford, but I know she is typically one of the uh, Those bigger sized yeah. uh, athletes out there and somebody has to guard them mm -hmm. and that's gonna be up to Hannah. Yeah. So if she can somehow keep out of foul trouble and be able to maybe try to get those types of players in foul trouble themselves and actually trying to score and get at them, that's going to be huge. She was really impressive, yeah, and a couple other role players, if you want to call them that. Uh, Kate Martin had 16 points. She's two for two from three. Gabby Marshall, four for five from three. Yep. Um, those are the kind of performances, um, and I know that's just Northwestern. They're 7 and 10, 14. They're having a kind of down year uh, for them, but um, those are the kind of performance you need from your those are all starters and, yeah. and from your role players if you do want to win a Big Ten regular season title. Yeah, especially from Gabby. You need that shooting from the outside, four or five on three-pointers. I've been curious the last couple games. I mean, I, tomorrow we're going to get our press conference with uh, Coach Bluter. Sharon Goodman has just not played very much the last couple games. I don't think she played the entire first half against uh, Nebraska. And then last night only played three minutes. I mean, Sharon's been so reliable in the post this year that I wonder if she's battling an injury right now or something just because we haven't seen a lot of her and we – had really seen her spell a lot of those minutes for Hannah in, in recent games. And so I, I am curious what's going on with Can she. I think it's load management or, you know, just as much as you can. It could be, but, I mean, three minutes for Sharon? Like, that that seems... It does strange. seem to me throughout Denise the season... Johnson had more minutes than <laughs> Sharon Goodman. It does seem to me that, at least with the three bigs, Eddie, Sharon, and, uh, well, Hannah's been... The games that she's been hurt, they've kind of... There's some games where Addie plays a lot and Sharon doesn't, and then it's flip-flopped. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's intentional just to give some people some rest yeah. um, or if it's injury-related, which right. could be. Just matchup uh, possibilities. Um, here's, here's the road ahead for the women's team, as we mentioned. Where they're at Maryland on Saturday. We've spoken about this a few times. Lisa Bluter has never won a game at Maryland. Um, that's a place where Caitlin has never won a game. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting one on Saturday to see if they can break that trend next, uh, next week at home against Penn State. I don't typically think of Penn State as a women's basketball power, but they're 16-5 and five right now. I mean, i got to think that Penn State, if they were to win a couple more games, they could be on the verge of reaching into the top 25. Um, then at Nebraska, which we mentioned is possibly the game that she could break the scoring record. Nebraska doesn't have the best record. They're 14-7, and seven, but, I mean, again, they – always play Iowa so tough. That was a close – I mean, Nebraska was winning for a lot of that first half when they played at Carver, so that's not a rollover game for the Hawkeyes. Um, and then their next game after that, February 15th, at home against Michigan. Only, what, four or five home games left this season for, for the Hawkeyes? One, two, I mean, yeah. Yep, four. One, two, after three, that Michigan four. game, it's just Illinois on the 25th and then Ohio State at home on the 3rd. So if you're wanting to see Caitlin in person at Car – I mean, you'll have – That Ohio games. State game is going to be a pretty penny, <laughs> you'd have to imagine. <laughs> that will be an incredible home game Big for them. regular season title potentially on the line and revenge. Speaking – that's true. Of Ohio State, there's a really big matchup on Sunday. Um, Ohio State, I believe, travels to Indiana. No, it's the other way around. Indiana goes to Ohio State. Mm. Now, Indiana is nine and one. Ohio State is eight and one. In um, conference, yeah. Yeah, I, they, Iowa plays both these teams, so they could theoretically, you know, get 
beat them both and then, you know, win the Big Ten outright. Mm -hmm. But they play Indiana on the road. So I don't know if you'd rather have Ohio State win, Mm -hmm. get them a second loss so you can take a loss and then, you know, yeah, that's or just went point. out. That, yeah. that's, 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 <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be tough, tough to that's beat. That's the locker room's mindset. I mean, they. Well, we're not anything. in the locker room, so I, I, you know, I thought it'd be good discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, I, I, I'd be curious who, who will you guys be rooting for in that game? If we're putting ourselves in the shoes of Hawkeye fans, who do you root for in that game? I think you are confident enough that you're going to beat Ohio State at home, mm-hmm. so I think you root for them to get Indiana another loss. Really? Okay. Because that theoretically could still be. Uh, if they beat Ohio State, it would be technically co-Big Ten champions in that scenario, right? If they beat Ohio State and... And Ohio State beats Indiana. Has two losses at the end of the season? Ohio State... Or, oh, Ohio State, they've lost a Big Ten game right now? Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Who have they lost to? I don't know. They're 8-1, though. Let me check. That's interesting. I forgot about that. Okay, fair enough. Yep, so that would give them an outright title. Sorry. Michigan. They lost to Michigan. Michigan. Oh, okay. So, they, they. I mean, you could... You could root for them just because, you know, if they lose to Michigan, they could lose another game um, on their schedule. Here's something I'm curious about to pick your guys' brains on. Um, We're talking about Hannah. We're talking about Kate, Kate, all the role players stepping up well last night. Do you think right now, outside of Caitlin, is there a first or second team all Big Ten player on this roster? No. I think Molly Davis could get second team. She's played really well. We didn't even talk about her She's yet. She's played super well. But, but there's like, some really good guards in this conference. I mean, again, last night, Molly has three points and three rebounds. Like, she steps True. up when she needs to, and Hawkeye fans love it, and she's been great when they need her to step up. But to see her She's as a first or second team. How many people do they are? Sorry, I should know this, but do they have like 10 people on the first team and 10 on the second? I think that could, you know. I'm pretty sure it's just a five. Yeah, I would think five, I guess. Well, a lot of men's teams, they, they do 10. Do they? Yeah, just I don't know why. It's kind of a weird... If it's 10, then sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the the highest candidate for the second position would be Stolke, but there's... My my guess for... Kenzie Holmes is there. Yeah. She's going to take a spot. Stolke could be there, and she'll maybe be there in the future, but she's just spent so much time injured and like has games off that it's like she could get honored, I think, but I have a hard time seeing a first or second team mention. Kate Martin, I think, is the one that would be the closest for me because... For going back to the start of the Big Ten schedule, she's been in double digits pretty much every game. You can rely on her almost nightly for 12 to 16 points. Um, She'll pull down some rebounds, too. She'll dish out some assists. She's maybe the most reliable night-in and night-out player that you know is going to put up some numbers. And I I, I don't know if I'd say that Kate's going to be a first-team honoree, but because she's not even in the top, like, 15 of the conference scoring list right now, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's... A reliable enough and respected enough player that I think that she could be on that list. You have to think there'd be if Iowa wins the you know wins the uh, outright regular season Big Ten title. Yeah, they um, they would have at least one other person. Um, she is averaging like almost you know twelve and a half points a game. So yeah, Kate's probably the the right answer there. I think I just I like Mo- watching Molly play, so I'm you know a yeah. little biased there. That's so fun. I mean, I feel I have a hard time picking out who would be um, Iowa fans favorite Hawkeye maybe after Caitlin because Molly would be a strong candidate but I think man, it's every, Martin okay, <laughs> I would make the case when I'm at the arena there's maybe nobody I enjoy watching more than Sid Falter. man that girl <laughs> is so much fun out there just uh, in the Nebraska game the other day she had another one of those rebounds that she had against Audie Crooks in the Cyhawk game where somebody else literally comes down with a rebound Sid just like grabs it 
yanks it out of their hands and puts it back up for a bucket. I mean, she is just the grittiest, gutsiest hard worker out there. I love watching that girl play. Um, but let's, let's move on and talk about the men's team and how they're doing right now. Um, still been super up and down. You just don't know what you're going to get out of this team one night to the next. Um, had a crucial win the other night, um, but then, then they drop one to Indiana. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I watched a good chunk of that second half of that game. I mean, they put up a good second half against the Hoosiers, but um, just gave up some late buckets. Again, scoring was a problem in the last minute, and they went on a lot of cold stretches in that game. Yeah. Men's team just still seems like they're still trying to figure it out. Oh boy. Yeah, it's mainly can they host an NIT game at Carver at this point? I think that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want to get down to the dumps, just say get your young guys more reps, see what uh, Dembele and Harding is made of with mm-hmm. more minutes against Big Ten competition. Um, obviously, Peyton Stanford has taken a step up. Uh, Tony Perkins has played very well yeah. as well. He's, I think he's averaging like roughly around 22, 23 a game these past few games. So it's been pretty good from those two players, but there's just too many consistencies. Who else is going to step up? And, you know, we were talking last week how, uh, you know, Ben Cricky, where did he go? Yeah. You know, sometimes he comes in, sometimes he just is an afterthought. Yeah. He's really struggled the uh, last few games, at least on the scoring, and that, that's what, you know, his forte. Dembele did get 15 minutes uh, against Indiana. You know, that last eight minutes was like a microcosm of the season, you know? Iowa comes back, fights back from a big deficit, comes back, takes the lead, and then gives the lead up. And then Peyton hits a big shot with a minute and a half left yep. to give him a two-point lead off like, you know, in inbound play with two seconds left on the clock. And then they don't they go a minute and a half on a on the wrong end of an eight oh run. And it's just like this is just this roller coaster that we've seen all all season. Um it will be tough sledding though when you look at it. Um I'll pull up the next four games real quick, but if you really want any chance at a postseason, even, you know, you'll have to go, I think, three and one or four and oh in this next four games. They end the season. Um Five of their last six games are quad one, like games. Yeah. So it's their toughest stretch, and it's you know the last six games they but play you know, three in a row. The potential is there for them to to pick up some quality wins. So these next four games coming up, there they've got Ohio State tomorrow night at Carver, and they go on the road at Penn State, um, which they historically don't play well at. I don't you know. Yeah, I mean Penn State's the only team in the next four that has a losing record right now. Um, but then after that, it's at home against Minnesota, and then they go back on the road to Maryland after that on uh, Valentine's Day. I really don't think Iowa is going to pull out that Ohio State game mm. at home. I, I think me and Mike were talking about this yesterday that um, Ohio State has lost, like, at one point a couple weeks ago, I don't know if this is still the case, Ohio State had lost, like, 14 straight road games, something to that effect. I just seen our colleague from WSYX over in Columbus tweet, tweet something about that, how bad they've played on the road this year. Um, and going back to last year, I guess. But um, as Mike mentioned, too, that's one of those things that the Hawkeyes have a tendency to break up bad streaks of other teams <laughs> this season. So, um, yeah, Big yeah. Ten play on the road hasn't been good for the Buckeyes, but they have some caliber players that can make shots. And I think especially late, if it is close, and especially if nerves start creeping in, like Stanford, thing like, I got to be clutch again. I have, mm-hmm. to, I have to be better. I have to be better. And... Buckeyes can use that. Yeah, the Buckeyes have lost six of the last seven. They haven't won a road game this year. So if if Iowa can't beat Ohio State tomorrow night, then you know, not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they 
one of the big things that's plagued them recently because this was their problem last week when they lost to who they lose to last week. Who, what game you shoot? Maryland. Maryland, yeah, um, the Maryland game. It was the same problem uh, against. That's a game they should have won. Like they, they, you know. And it was the same problem against Indiana, where Owen Freeman gets in foul trouble. That's that's been their problem because he had four fouls last night, only played twenty three minutes, sat a lot of the second half of that game on the bench, only scored four points and had two rebounds. They're gonna expect more out of Owen each night in terms of scoring, and so when he's out with foul trouble, that's gonna be something that's gonna hurt them down the stretch if that continues to be a problem for them. But it's also an indictment where you're heavily relying on your freshman center Mm -hmm. to be the pin that moves the needle. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of teams rely on fresh, especially highly rated ones like Owen was. So I I personally don't think that that's that big of a deal. You bring in guys. Iowa actually is one of the few that hardly ever brings in freshmen and and they make, you know, I guess Keegan, but he only played like, you know, 10 minutes a game his freshman year, 10, 15. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the the foul trouble is an issue, especially when he's playing bigger guys like against Purdue in last game against Indiana. Those two bigs that they had were just giving him fits all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I know I've said that twenty wins is kind of the plateau they need to reach to get into the tournament. Um, I don't know, Mike. Would you say in your bracketology mind that that's the same? I mean, they have ten regular season games left. Do you feel like they need to reach twenty wins to have a legitimate shot of getting into the tournament? What do they have now? Twelve. Yeah, have twelve right now. If they go. Eight and two down the stretch. With three quad one wins. <laughs> that would be a pretty good look. I mean, you can count in a tournament. I think they'd be too. a bubble team. I think they could. I just, I don't see that happening, yeah. you know? No. I have a very hard time seeing that. So there might be some more postseason basketball being played at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. You know you're going to probably going to get a couple of home games in the tournament for the women's team. Um, so, you know. I mean, if they're playing the NIT, they're not a lock to have a home game either. I mean, they could go on the road and, and play somewhere too. Yeah. That's almost even worse. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, just such an insult. I, I forget because I know the NIT restructured things this year to figure out, um, I, you know, because it's like when you win, a, you know, the, the biggest selling point in the past was that if you're a small conference and you win your regular season conference title, you're automatically in the NIT. And that's not the case anymore. Um, they're judging it a lot more based on basically who's in a Power 5 conference and who's going to you know, sell out arena, I think, is what the NIT is looking at. So, um, Which, honestly, is not really a selling point for the Iowa men's team right now because it's not like they get great sales for their home games anyway, anyway right now for the men's team. Yeah. I mean, the one game they hosted when I was in college, this was 10 years ago, and they hadn't seen a lot of success. Uh, almost the atmosphere was better because the season ticket holders who tend to be on the older side and they sit in the front, they'd, you know they don't necessarily get those seats. So usually you get people who actually want to be there in front. So the, the atmosphere was better. I don't know though this year, if that would be the case, I think with home games in the first two rounds, barring like a major collapse on the women's side, you know, and those tickets will probably be expensive on the secondary market. I don't see a lot of people coming to an NIT game. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I'm looking for or looking for this team is like you said, Curtis, those young players. I mean, this is a time where Owen Freeman, Brock Harding and some of the younger uh, pieces can learn how to—I don't want to say lose in the Big Ten, but learn how to like make make their you know work on make on adjustments. their make adjustments in in the Big Ten. I want to see what Price has got. Yeah, Price hasn't seen a lot of the floor. Um, it'd be fun to see more of him. Josh Dix has looked good in the minutes that he's been in there. Um, Owen, I made a full screen about this the other day for the show, where like Owen is reaching a lot of freshmen scoring records for the University of Iowa that he could get there in blocks and rebounds and field goal percentage. Um, but he's, again, got to stay on the floor if he wants, wants to get to that point. Um, 
I promised a little bit of wrestling conversation. Uh, the Hawkeyes have four duels left in the year before the Big Ten tournament starts. Uh, just two of those are going to be at home. They're at Michigan tomorrow night. Um, and then next Friday is going to be the, the Penn State matchup, which is, I've got to imagine, going to just about sell out Carver for that one. They usually have a pretty big crowd for that one. 8 o'clock start time, though. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? They and love those late Penn starts. State, 9 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. Why? It's a Friday. I mean, that's true. Not a school. You go to bed at 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you usually here till 11 or something. I mean, we do have a nine o'clock show. It's so hard to have a final score by the nine o'clock. So but anyway, but yeah, we, we've been following this wrestling team a little bit. I know Curtis, you've been getting a little bit more into uh, advancing your wrestling knowledge this year, as have I, and it, as limited as it still might be. Um, what have you seen out of this team velocity matchups? Cause I, we've talked about that one eighty five spot that, um, uh, what's his face? Aiden Riggins. Yeah. Um, has struggled, but he got that win against Northwestern the other day. So potentially things keep looking up for them. Things are definitely looking up, and I think the biggest debate right now is in the biggest matchup, who's wrestling at 285, Bradley Hill or Ben Keeter? You obviously saw the lightning in a bottle in Keeter with his high school resume. Obviously the talent to be a dual athlete, him recently joining the program. He's gotten already a pin under his belt, 2-0, in the matches that he has been able to go out and wrestle. Mm -hmm. But then Bradley Hill has gotten the more experience. He's been holding it down at 285 post Cassiopeia suspension. Mm -hmm. So he has a right to be out there. And Coach Brands was even talking about it. He was like, everyone's talking about Ben Keeter's pin against Northwestern. Well, what about Bradley Hill's pin against Illinois? Mm -hmm. So they're both kind of being solid pieces in the lineup. And you're hoping that um, throughout this week, one person has emerged as a better option and I'm very curious to see who wrestles Michigan sure. and who wrestles against Penn State. Also curious is a lot of people are theorizing that they're trying to give Gabe Arnold a red shirt mm. and save him wow. for more eligibility okay. but he still has a couple matches left to he could. maintain the red shirt. Really? Are we going to see him against the Wolverines or the Nittany Lions? <laughs> I would love to see Gabe Arnold go up against Penn State. That would be fun. I, it looks like I was gone up to number two in the national polls right now. They leapfrogged uh, Missouri. Um, so they're number two, which I think is honestly deserved at this point. I mean, they're dominating their last few matchups against lower teams in the conference like Northwestern, Illinois, and Purdue. But uh, Against number 10, Minnesota, they won 22-9. to Against number 6, Nebraska, they won 22-10. to Like, they won a lot of matches in that one that they maybe would not have been expected to win against, I mean, we're going back to November, but they beat Iowa State 18-14 to when they were number 8 in the country. I forget what Iowa State's ranked right now, but they're, I mean, they might be a They were as team. high as 4th yeah. last I had Yeah, they're seen. outstanding too. So this is a team that, this might be one of the Brands brothers' best coaching jobs this season based on all the guys that they lost and all the things that they had to figure out kind of on the fly at the start of the season. Mm -hmm. We talked about that a lot this last fall with Coach Ferentz with the amount of guys that got injured for the Hawkeyes and um, how they had to play through an injured quarterback and the offensive coordinator discussion and wide receivers and your tight ends going out and Cooper DeGene getting hurt. So many things that they had to battle through to still win the Big Ten West, one of Kirk Ferentz's best coaching jobs. Mm -hmm. This might be one of the Brands Brothers' best coaching yeah, jobs. Yeah, but you're also – deep down worried that Penn State is going to be Iowa football's Michigan. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what I feel like the program's gearing up towards. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to be the difference between winning the conference and not is yeah. the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I think they're going to beat Michigan. It might be close. It might not be. We might be seeing some techs out there. Mm -hmm. But Penn State's going to be the big measuring stick. I, I mean, while 
Cale Sanderson is coaching that Penn State team unless Iowa brings in a few more absolute dudes that can win a few more weight classes. Like the Ferrari brothers? <laughs> I didn't say that, but some might. Um, I still have a hard time seeing them overtake Penn State in any fashion, whether it be regular season, whether it be the conference tournament or the national tournament. Penn State is just yeah. – Penn State is on a caliber right now that Iowa wrestling was on in the 80s and 90s where they are just the absolute only team that can win a national title year in and year out, it seems. Yeah. I think the biggest claim to fame is trying to get individual titles. Mm -hmm. Like, Real Woods obviously is on his own mission. He said, even from the start, like, I remember he was like, hey – you had a you had a pretty good year last year being runner up. He's like, no, I didn't. I lost, yeah. and just straight face. I'm like, oh snap. <laughs> he, he, he lost once. That was bad. Mm -hmm. He wants to go undefeated and be a national champion, and he can do that. And other potential national champions, Jared Franick at 157 could potentially do it. But he has the tendency to get into some really close matches, and he'll get a takedown, maybe an escape and sometimes try to ride it out, and sometimes he gets caught right at the gun, and mm -hmm. that's how he could potentially get upset early in those rounds. But if he holds firm, he is a high-caliber wrestler, and I could totally see him winning a national title. Yep. All right, well, let's land this plane. Um, this has been another episode of Eye on the Hawks. We're going to be joining you every Thursday for the rest of the basketball season. Oh, sorry. Yeah, one Mike last thing I just want to tell you. Uh, yesterday, just Tim Lester was officially hired. We did a podcast on this earlier in the week when it was just reports. Go check it out on our YouTube page. It's on the website, iowasnewsnow.com, uh, or search iowasnewsnow on YouTube. Uh, we had a pretty good, I thought it was a good discussion on what Lester brings to the table and his kind of offensive philosophy and, you know, where everything sits there. So go check that out. Um, and then uh, I think there's an introductory press conference. We'll probably stream that live if we can, if Iowa allows us to. So that's early next week sometime. The date has not been announced. Is that correct? That is correct. We have not heard a final date on that. But, yeah, we just found out today that Tim Lester is going to be the quarterback coach for the Hawkeyes as well. Um, that was not announced in the initial press conference. We discussed that as a likelihood based on his quarterback's background. He's been a quarterback coach at a number of his stops. Um, so, anyway, it appears that Tim Lester will be the quarterback coach as well. So the last spot that we need to fill on that Hawkeye football coaching roster is wide receivers coach right now. And I believe we heard a uh, word that uh, Bud Mayer would be That's the That coach. was a rumor online. It's a little I mean, speculation, yeah, but... It, it would be a I feel like everything, every potential hire does seems like a strikeout instead of a home run to most Hawkeye fans. Well, I'd, let's, let's just say that that was a rumor, and, and I don't think anyone's legitimately reported that Bud Meyer was. So yeah. if he is, it could, you know, it could happen. But a lot of people said, you know, I wouldn't count that as yeah, fact right. yet. It was about as likely as uh, Joe Philbin becoming an offensive coordinator. So <laughs> a lot of things can get bandied about online. How about uh, Brian Ferentz becoming the wide receivers coach again? <laughs> wow. That would be quite a turn. That would be an Undertaker uh, rising from the dead meme. There's a guy named uh, Diane Lawrence coming into the program. <laughs> Well, keep, keep informed with us here on Eye on the Hawks. You can follow us on X. You can follow us on YouTube. Uh, every week as we go live here for the show, you can watch us live and you can see the video. You can see uh, the highlights, the, uh, the, the tweets that we bring up and the conversations that we have about that, the full screens that we put together. There's a lot of good content if you want to join us on YouTube. Um, but you can see us on Instagram as well and wherever you get your podcasts online at the stores, Apple Store, wherever that might be. We appreciate you joining us for another edition of basketball slash wrestling slash a little bit of football eye on the Hawks. For Curtis, for Mike, I'm Owen Sebring. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>